Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. Now we're starting. Welcome to Raisin Man Arena. It's uh, uh, September 21st of 2002. And before I was telling you guys, we need to do some framing up top. So I'm going to do some framing up top. Uh, we're not in person because I'm in Argentina. Number two, my sound is bad for that same reason. So when I hear, what is that sound? What the fuck is going on? There's a fire truck coming by. This is a nightmare. We live in a busy urban area as well. I'm going to turn off the brake core. Mm -hmm. The brake core is not working. It's distracting me. But when I listen to a podcast and one of the and one of the hosts has um, like computer sound, I get mad. And I wish that they would just say, look, I know that this is computer sound. I'm really sorry. So that's what I'm saying right now. I know I have computer sound. Trust mm. me. I tried to fix this problem. I couldn't. Mm. I have computer sound for today. I'll have computer sound next week. That's it. Just you have to deal with it. So that's the framing. This is also our first international episode. Normally, if one of us goes on an international trip, they take a break from doing the podcast and they let the other two people do it. <laughs> Flippy, was there any part of you that was like, hmm, this isn't really right <laughs> for me to have Sam and Sarah get on the computer and do this when they're supposed to be having the, doing the episodes, just the two of them? Was there any part of me that felt like this way? <laughs> that you're I, supposed to be on vacation? No, no, I'm not. That's the problem. That's the problem. And I'm in a weird in-between purgatory. The first 15 days of my trip to Argentina were vacation. Then I decided I wanted to stay another 15 days. These were supposed and just to, be, to live there. Yeah. I, now I'm just doing like life here. But th this was supposed to be work. <laughs> Uh, and that's so that's the reason that I'm on where this is like a special situation. This isn't quite this isn't quite vacation and it's not quite work, but a, another secret, more interesting thing. Nice. If you've seen the meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we're, were like, oh, we're so happy to have we because because I wrote down like a, a long two, three page list of how to do all the technical stuff for the podcast. Because I thought, okay, I'm, you know, Sarah and I, we're going to be not manning the ship, but peopling the ship, you know, while Felipe's gone. And we hey, did it the ship. once. We did it once before our <laughs> rights got revoked. That's right. That's right. We did it once. And we did a flawless job, except that we didn't pull up the video when Edie was talking. You did not do a flawless job. And we can talk about that if you want to bring that up. <laughs> and he did a flawless job but, and that's what scared Felipe was that he suddenly realized that he wasn't totally needed right away right away I was it. like Sam is not wearing headphones because Edie kept cutting out and nobody was saying anything and I thought this is one of those things where Sam thinks you know what I don't need to do it the Felipe way I don't need to be in the camera I don't need to wear headphones that's just an that's extra right. thing he does and that's he found right. out yeah, yeah. baptism by extra. fire there's a reason I wear the headphones <laughs> it's not just because I'm neurotic it's because you can hear if something's going wrong so now <laughs> you know he's neurotic and that's why I'm revoking uh, that that's why we're now doing it over Google meets <laughs> man so Felipe what what What's going on? Like, why did you choose to stay? Yeah, wait, can I also say for context um, that if you are a listener, then you know a couple of episodes ago, me and Sam were expressing a lot of kind of trepidation about 
being Americans and living in America that it's a nightmare, that there's better places in the world, it's easy to be happy somewhere else. And Felipe was like stunned that we felt this way and couldn't believe that we were both aligned on the idea that we don't want to be in America. Then cut to Felipe leaves America, goes to Argentina for what was supposed to be two weeks, and then writes back and is like, I think I'm going to live here for three months because I'm so happy here and it's so much better. And the way of life, it's just easy to be happy. So... Yeah. All right. Go ahead and explain your experience. It's true. Um, no, I mean, that's only half true. I don't want to stay here because life is easier. In fact, the last week has shown me that living here would actually be bad. Um, well, but I did feel uh, I did feel really happy <clears throat> to be here. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe Argentina could be a bigger part of my life than it is right now. Because right now it's just a place I go to for 12 days, you know, 15 days. And then I thought, you know, I, I'm kind of doing all my work remote. Uh, and Simple Town is kind of on hold because another member is also on vacation for a month. Two even. She's going to stay another month? Right. No. Oh, no. Well, two. Will's away too. <laughs> but not, yeah, he... Two members are away for a month, and then I thought, well, you know, then I don't really, there's no reason for me to be in New York, so I extended my stay. I'm not staying for three months, I'm just staying till the end of the month, but maybe it would be cool to come here. But then you're coming months. back, and then you're going for three months. I don't know. I don't know about that. I need to reflect. <laughs> Once this experience is over, I'm going to go back and reflect on what I learned, and then find out whether or not coming here for two to three months at any point in the year would be feasible or, or good for me. Mm. that's good and it's nice because the time difference isn't all that off believe it or not listeners even though argentina is on the other side of the the earth this the, marble we call home it's south the time side difference really is the same <clears throat> yeah there's only one hour of time difference so for you guys let me show you what time is it for you it's nine nineteen in the morning guess what time it is nine nineteen exactly eight eighteen 1019. I got an extra hour of sleep. Oh my goodness. That's wow, right. life really is better there. <laughs> it's so much easier to be happy there. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. That's it's crazy cool. here though. You know, I finally understood why shit is hard here. In, in Argentina? Yeah. Uh, because you don't have your hard drive? <laughs> uh, well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. <laughs> I was thinking it's like so much, it's so often during the podcast I talk about a problem with bureaucracy. Like it seems to always fall on me, right? Is this wrong? Huh, I haven't noticed that as a theme. The hey, always, bureaucracy always comes for you? Yeah, like I'm always talking about how I was on the phone with someone or someone was saying they can't help oh, you. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> That's true. You hate being on the phone with people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. I would never try to get my um my hard drive mailed to another. Wait, 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 wait. That was mistake number one. All right, fine, fine, fine. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like you're like being extra, so then the bureaucracy's coming for you because you're stepping out line. So yeah. (laughs) Because you won't chill out. (laughs) <laughs> they're trying to tamp you down yeah yeah okay wait i'll explain that and then i'll explain later what's so hard about argentina um but basically <clears throat> i decided i was going to stay an extra 15 days and i thought oh i'll have my computer on me so that i can do my animation work and then that way 
it just I can just spend like during the day I don't really have that much to do there's not people to hang out with because everybody's working so I thought oh I can kind of sustain this for longer if I'm working during the day so <clears throat> I get my dad brings me my computer because uh, he happened to be coming here well actually he didn't but he uh, gets free plane tickets and he was like I'll just bring it to you whatever I don't care I'm not doing anything so he flew my computer I made him a big list of everything I needed in my computer my tablet, wow. my mouse I needed some extra clothes. He made me a big list. He I made, made Sam a big, a big list. <laughs> Sam put it wow. together. My dad showed up. Wow. It Wait, already that's crazy. I thought your dad was coming to visit you anyway because you're in Argentina, but he was like, I have free tickets and I'm not doing anything anyway. So yeah. I'll come bring your computer. That's so sweet. It's sweet. It's <laughs> insane. It's crazy, but it was very it's sweet. It's crazy. So he yeah. put, I put together this list. He comes. He brings everything. I'm like, awesome. I'm all set. I'm going to work on everything. Cut to last Wednesday. We're about to do Raisin Man. I'm setting things up. I look in the bag and I think, wait, I'm not seeing my hard drive. The most important part. That's where all of the work is. I can't do the work that is in the, the hard drive has all of the work that I need to do. So I can't do it if it's not on the hard drive. And I go over to my dad and I go, wait, did you pack the hard drive? And he goes, it wasn't in the list. Suddenly we're both freaking out. My dad flew all the way here, no hard drive. I'm like, fuck, he might as well not have even come. Like, the, the computer might as well not Did you be. Say that to him? No, but more, I mean, I, I told him, I was like, this might, I might as well not have my computer. Like, it doesn't, I can't do anything with it. And he got mad, and I got mad. And then I called you guys and I said, we can't do the podcast. I'm having a bit of a crisis. <clears throat> um, and then, in a moment of panic, I said, I'm going to have Sam FedEx it to me. Because before my dad offered to bring me my computer, when I first called him, I said, hey, I'm staying an extra 15 days. I said, maybe we can get the computer FedExed. And he said, yeah, we can look about this. We can see about that. Anyways, cut to last Wednesday. Don't have my hard drive. I go, maybe we can get the hard drive FedExed. My dad's like, ah, I don't know. It's a little, you know, it's a little dicey getting something, you know, hard drive FedEx to Argentina. I don't know. Might be weird. Da, da, da. And I was like in panic mode. I was like, no, we're getting Sam to do it. So I got Sam to go to FedEx. To, I don't know. Where did you go, Sam? To FedEx. Sam went to FedEx with my hard drive. So what was that experience? Sam to do it what was that experience like, Sam? <laughs> well, I want to say this: that we, you knew you said you, we couldn't do the Razor Man episode. You didn't say why at all, and so me and Sam were just kind of like, oh, "Okay, I guess we're not doing it." And then Sam got a text that was like, "Can you ship me my hard drive?" <laughs> <laughs> and so we were kind of piecing together what must be happening um, on your end. <laughs> Yeah, well, there. that's what happened. I forgot to tell my dad. I forgot to tell Sam to put the hard drive with the pile of stuff that my dad had to bring. So so how was the experience of mailing me my hard drive, Sam? Um, it was funny because I went to FedEx and this guy who was probably 17 years old was like, <laughs> I'm mailing the counter. And, and he was like, I gave him your address and he was like, this doesn't. He's like, which one is the mailing code? Like, what's the area code? And I was like, I don't know. Just like, this is what he sent me. And I like showed him the text. And he, he was like trying to put in different numbers. And then this woman from Ghana was behind us. And she was like, oh, no, no. I, we don't have mailing addresses in Ghana either. <laughs> he was like, you got to put in this here. And it was like, it became this whole thing where it was like, you know, like it takes a village to send a hard drive. Like wow. me and the Ghanaian woman and the guy behind the counter, we were all trying to figure out what wow. part of what we sent was, should it be entered inside that. the FedEx thing? 
That's and insane, though, because we do have mailing addresses in Argentina, and what I sent you was a mailing address. Yeah, it just no, it it's didn't. It's a very provincial society. It's more com- <laughs> tribal and community based. Yeah. Um, but it took like 15 minutes for us to figure out what combination of information we had to put in the FedEx system in order for it to, pe- in order for you to click next and FedEx to accept it. And the woman was completely unperturbed by the fact that I was ahead of her in line, and this was taking twenty minutes. Like, oh, this in woman my was world, in line. Wow. This was not. This was not That's a person working amazing. at FedEx. No, no, it was just a woman in line, and uh, it was cool because I was like, "Oh man, if I were her, I would be like really frustrated and pissed that this was mm-hmm. taking so long." And she was just like helping me out. Like we were all wow. just trying to figure this out together. And it made me That's think. So sweet. I've been poisoned by capitalism to think that like my <laughs> my time is money, and that like people who are need help are like wasting my time or getting yeah. in in the tasks in between me and the tasks that I need to complete that day. And she was just like so helpful. So yeah, there was a lovely little lesson there for me. And you would know that Sam wow. if you had grown up in a place like Ghana. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But I grew up. I grew up in Boston instead. You know. Yeah. 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 I was at the post office recently and um, just mailing some random thing, and there was a person there who was filling out some kind of. They were an immigrant, some kind of visa application, and they didn't really speak English, and so they were asking me like what everything on the application meant, like one at a time. They were asking me these questions, and then finally they were like, "Can you just do this for me?" And I just filled out the application for them, and I felt extremely helpful That's and it, it only took you know obviously being able to speak um english so it really didn't take very much but i was like wow i really am awesome so sometimes people get off on that stuff well being let helpful. me tell you part let me tell you part two of me getting my my hard drive mailed clearly fedex did not yes they give you a hard time about what you were putting but they didn't give you a hard enough time because uh did you put in the harmonized tariff code for hard drives you know we didn't put in something. There was there was apparently a tax number I had to put in. FedEx never asked you for a tax number. Cut to, it's in customs. Customs won't release it. They just will not release this hard drive. They won't let me have it. I can't go and say, let me look at the hard drive. It's on the shelf. Yeah, let me take it home. They will not let me have it. It's unclear why. Uh, it, it has to do with a tax number that I didn't put in, but also mm-hmm. because they think we're doing contraband. It's unclear. FedEx told us we need to get a broker. What does this mean? A middleman. We need to get a guy that's going to go to customs and say, hey, let me look at it. It's on the shelf. I'll take it. It can't be me. It needs to be a man that I pay who does this all the time, who goes to fucking customs and says, hey, let me grab that for you. Um, so one layer of grift. Wow. On another layer of grift, we have to pay a tariff in order for it to be released. Every day that it's in the fuck in customs, it costs something like ten dollars. So yo, you gotta every, pay a tariff. That's some 18th century shit. <laughs> That's <true>. crazy. <laughs> you gotta pay four gold coins. It's true. That's crazy. Um, this person in the chat says shipping hard drives internationally is literally my job. But wish I could have helped. Wish I hadn't panicked. If I hadn't panicked wow. the day that we were gonna do raise it, man, I could what? have explained this on the show. And nurses wow. do it better could have helped me. Nurses do it better. Wow. How do you, how, what are the odds that you have that particular job and you're listening to the story right now? That's I really know. strange. It's wild. <laughs> so, I know. So, so what Felipe did, it was a fool's, 
errand. It was never going to work. Right. Everybody that I've talked to here has said to me, I could have told you not to do that. They said, I could have told you not to (laughs) ship a hard drive to Argentina. But final detail, the broker, this man, this, this, this grifter, this leech on the side of this huge whale, this barnacle, told us, I mean, he's been very nice. He's, he's been helpful, but it's just his job shouldn't exist. You know, it's just like it shouldn't. Do people been... respect people like that in Argentina? <laughs> They're like the Brahmin class. <laughs> they live in huge mansions <laughs> and yeah. have like tertiary educations. They have like PhDs. And yeah, stuff. If, you're, if, you're, if you're a middle class Argentinian, this is the kind of job you hope to get. You're a broker. <laughs> We go to the airport and fetch people's hard, petulant, petulant young adults' hard drives. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. I just don't. I, and so we've we've done all sorts of different things, and I won't get it for seven to ten days. Meaning that the money I spent, the three hundred dollars I gave FedEx to ship it to me, total waste. I will not get them while I'm here. In fact, it might not be released until after I leave, which might mean that it needs to get to the U.S. in some other way. And finally, I am also expecting that they either don't give it to me in 10 days, that they give it to me longer than that. I would not be surprised. And I'm also getting prepared for them to lose my hard drive, which would be a big, big problem for me since everything, my whole life is in it. Like all, all Stop my, preparing for that. They're not going to lose it. I don't know, you know? <clears throat> And I was saying to my dad, you know, before I had this picture of the warehouse where it's stored, it's like orderly and everything is numbered and there's a sheet that says Felipe's hard drive number 15 and then they go to the thing and it says number 15, that's the hard drive. But now I have this other picture in my mind of the warehouse where all the boxes are piled up crazy and there's a guy who's like tired, who's like sleeping on his desk. (laughs) And his glasses are askew, and he like wakes up, and he's like, "I don't know where the hard drive is. It's gone forever." Like that's the picture I have now. Wow. Wow. But it's funny because wow. under under socialism, you need to have people with random jobs that don't do anything beca- in a full employment system. So totally, I totally. think it's only fair that we accept that this is the f- future we want. And that you're going to have to pay a guy to, like, go behind the counter to get the thing who then gives it to another guy you've paid to, like, hand it to you, you know? And, and it's precisely because of Argentine left-wing protectionism that that these tariffs have to be paid because they are, they are, they've created a wall around the country so that it's, like, you can't, you know, to, like, protect Argentine... There yeah. should be like a Shenzhen special economic zone <laughs> innovation where you can like there are no taxes and no labor regulations and you go in there. Yes, exactly. We need to open up the markets. <laughs> man. Oh man. I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. That's where we're at. But I'm having a great time. Yeah. Well what are about you your able other problem? Because you I thought it was it was kind of perfect of you that you didn't have your computer i thought oh that that's like level three thinking for felipe but now it's like back to back to base level one where you're like freaking out (laughs) (laughs) you brought your life to argentina on the last episode famously and i was gonna bring this up but you guys go oh felipe's so happy felipe says he's so happy and then sam says felipe's not happy Felipe just doesn't have his computer on him. That's what's happening. He's not having a comeback home moment. He just doesn't have his computer on him. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam was denying this narrative around like the idea that we have these heritages and that it's meaningful <laughs> to connect with them with our roots. That like that's something mm-hmm. that people in America just use to be special or different. And I think on that episode, I'm like, yeah, uh huh. And I agree with it. I actually disagree. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> no, but that doesn't matter. The record shows that you disagree. agree. <laughs> I actually disagree. I think being an immigrant in America is special. And meaningful. But don't you think... Yeah. Let me try this out. You Don't you think having immigrant parents and people that are from other countries is part of the American experience? I don't understand the gotcha. Stunned. That's What's right. You're gotcha? both stunned by that thought. <laughs> Wait, what would the gotcha be? Okay, let's say, yes, it is part of the American experience. And yeah. So what? I can't have a good time in Argentina? No, no, people are being like, people being like, no, I'm not American. I'm like actually from this place. But it's like, no, you were raised here and your parents are from another place. But it's like you're part of the melting pot. You're right, exactly. You're part of that. That's what it means to be American, you know? Yeah. Right. So forget so, your differences and conform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or you're, yeah, right. The jujitsu you're doing is like, oh, you think that's a difference? Actually, that's what makes you even more American. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'll say this. This was the other problem that Felipe was dealing with in Argentina that I was hearing about, was that you were struggling to be funny in Spanish. And um, because even though you're fluent in Spanish, you don't know enough to be funny. Um, And I suggested, I don't know if I said this to you or I just said this to Sam, but why don't you just be an interesting guy there or someone who's really nice or a really good listener? Why do you have to be a funny guy there too? Why can't you take a break from that? I think that's where I'm at. And in fact, I think that being quiet has made me has smoothed over some of my flaws and has made people more interested in me. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you going cool. people, people are like, huh, why isn't he talking? <laughs> why isn't he like filibustering on one of his special interests? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Bro, no, I was at this party and there was this girl that was like, giving me a lot of attention and I hadn't said anything and I thought like why is she giving me all this attention I haven't said anything she doesn't know what I'm like and I thought oh no it's because I'm not saying anything that she's inventing who I am in her head wow and that's far more powerful than anything that you could ever <laughs> you manifest her about like showing pulling up your phone and showing like tweets that you think are funny or like past <laughs> posts yeah. you designed yeah <laughs> yeah Felipe one of your dating strategies isn't it like that you think that it's a good move to like talk about some weird thing that you're interested in for a long time and yeah, that, that's one of your moves yeah yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm about to pull out the manic episode card. If you can handle that, then things might be looking up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's if cool. I just, if I just are you gonna yeah. are you gonna like manifest that in your life back in in the USA? No, it's just it's just my personality stronger than me. As time goes on and I get more comfortable with Spanish, I've started I've started going into manic not manic, you know, but like into explainer mode again. It's just like worse. It's just worst explanations of things. I see. You know, I'm still explaining yeah. things. I just get stuck doing it, and then I can't make I can't like bring ideas to life. Hmm. So that's where Felipe's been. Sam, I unless you had something else you wanted to ask him about Argentina. 
No, I was going to change the subject too. Okay. I was going to change the subject and say that this weekend, unless, Felipe, did you have anything else you wanted to say about Argentina? Mm, well, I'll say one last thing, which is I finally understood what it means to live in a country <clears throat> that's in crisis. The money loses value. Have you heard about this? It's happening to us. Yeah, but not the same. People are talking about inflation in America. <clears throat> Over here, like, if you buy a cup of coffee, it's 300 pesos. Like, it's it's like people... That's after too many pesos. After being here, I, I think about people in America talking about inflation, <clears throat> and I'm like, you guys are babies. That is baby shit. Like, my friend is like, every month inflation goes up so that my salary loses value a ton. Um, he's like, uh, he's like, I can't save my money because it, it's actually worth more if I use it now than if I use it in huh. two months. So I like, no one saves money. And he's like, I was going to buy a car and the dollar, the value of the dollar went up or whatever. And he's like, and I, I, the money I thought I had for the car changed. And I was like, I need to like rethink about how I'm going to buy this car. People buy everything in installments. So if you want to buy like a microwave or an iPhone or like anything that's like an Ameri- like not made in Argentina, you buy it in installments. You don't just go to the store and go, here's the money. You pay over like 12 months or something because you can't afford wow. it. People don't have the money to afford American-made shit. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That is crazy. I sound naive because people, people in places like this already know that, but I didn't understand like you can't save money. Like, you know, us, we're like, I'm going to save up my money. I'm going to put it in a 401k. Over time, it will appreciate. Not so here. It loses value over time. Wow. So it emphasizes just living in the moment and enjoying mm-hmm. life. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're present. so happy in those poor countries. Yeah, that rules. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have it in a 401k, it's in stock, you know, which is different. It's true. I don't really know what the deal is with Argentinian people buying stocks, though I think, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works or what. That would be one way to, like, solve the problem. Yeah. But buying dollars is like buying stocks for people here. It's like an appreciating asset. Mm. So you think of money as, like, that's the thing you buy things with. No, money can be an asset that you have. I'm going to mm. buy a dollar. And now it's, it's going to appreciate over time more than a peso. Isn't that crazy? That, is, that crazy. is crazy. I'm losing you guys. Change the subject to whatever you guys want to talk about. Well, Wait, was the to... thing, Felipe, is, is it Argentina so F because of like during the 50s and 60s, they had a left wing government and then like. No. They put a bunch of terror. <laughs> no. <laughs> is that the history? Walk us through the, the history of colonialism. No. And they're. Like... I could not articulate it so well, but it is not true that Argentina had a left-wing government in the 50s and 60s. Wasn't it the 70s and 80s, though, that it was right-wing? Yeah, but... Because, no, like, Ava Perón and Juan Perón were, like, leftist nationalists, right? It's a little... I, I don't totally get it, because they weren't leftists, uh, but I do think maybe they were protectionists. It's, like, not totally clear mm. to me. It doesn't... Yeah. It, the like it doesn't line up the same way that it does over there. Um, some pe- like some people call them fascists. Even I don't. T- I, there's I'm sure someone who's not from Argentina can explain it better in the chat. I will say this though, most of the people I hang out with, young people living in the city, are not left wing. I'm surprised by that. When we're in New York, most people they like Bernie. They're left wing. Most people here that I hang out with that are like our age, not left wing. 
Hmm. Hmm. But in but it means kind of something different. It kind of means something different. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What are people into? They're into like working hard and making money and getting a a lake house. A lot of the people I talk to, like, there's this whole libertarian thing happening here. Like, they mm. want to be, but it has, it's not the same as in America. Like, I don't know if any of this is interesting, but there's, like... No, I think it's interesting. interesting. I think people just, people are, there's, like, a left-wing government, and so, like, middle-class-ish people in the city want, like, I guess, less uh, sort of state-controlled shit. But except there are left-wing people. I don't think that's, like, the voice of the people. I just think it's particularly yeah. the like group of people that i've been around the urban skateboarders young not yeah. even skateboarders though but like college educated <laughs> people yeah yeah no this is interesting i feel like you, you said that you were losing us when you're talking about the inflation thing i think that it's hard to respond to because already just the concept that money would have value is so hard to like wrap my mind around really you know the whole system that makes that possible so then the idea that it would be like out of control and like valueless in certain parts of the world is like i i don't fucking know but they told me it has value they told me it just works that it has value yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna hold up. A, I'm gonna hold up a ten dollar bill and burn it for Sarah on the screen. Yeah. She's gonna freak out. Yeah. <laughs> this means um, I went to a like a chicken and rice place uh, in New York recently, and um, I hadn't cared about the gas price thing. I was like, this is good because people shouldn't be driving cars. We should stop. People should be taking the bus. Um, let the gas prices go up. I don't give a fuck. And then I went into this chicken restaurant, and they had a handwritten sign on the wall that said, um, gas prices are up, so chicken prices are up. Um, and no. the chicken prices were, were more expensive. Yeah, to get chicken. So I was like, all right, now now it's starting to affect me. I don't really like this. <laughs> this so, is hitting yeah. home. <laughs> it turns out all of these things are connected. Yeah. That's, yeah. Mm. That's what I'm learning. Gabby and so and I went what to happens a in Argentina might, too. Yes. Go ahead. Gabby and I went to a halal car in like on 34th street and it was like, man, it's when I moved to New York five years ago, you could get chicken and rice in these huge, like circular plates. And it was like $8. And now it's yeah. like Last 10 or 11. And then the plates are also smaller too. Yeah. I was like, damn. And they put more lettuce in there. Yeah. <laughs> they put more fucking Yeah, bro. Lettuce. But like, this is the thing. Yep. Okay, fine. Halal is a little smaller. Imagine if that halal now costs $500. Yeah. I guess I always thought, nah, that doesn't matter that things are in hundreds in other countries because you get paid in, like, millions, you know? Yes, yes but <laughs> yeah, if the hundreds keep right. going Everybody's up, if the hundreds keep going up and you're not constantly renegotiating your salary, that becomes a problem. Because, yes, you're right. Like, now you get paid in, like, way more... But as the thing goes up, you're not getting paid more unless you go to your boss. And you're like, I'm going to need more because of inflation, because there's inflation right. happening. And if you're right. just kind of lazy, you're just like, you know what? Let it be. Taft1912 says, I want more discussion of South American political economies. And then Mike Candel says, a big part of the junta's economic policy in Argentina was importing Chicago school economics. Ec That's right. Economists. Sorry. That's Hardcore right. Hardcore free marketers to set the policy. Yeah, but that, was, but that wasn't 50s and 60s. That was in the 70s. 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 But yeah, I think those people, those Argentinians, shouldn't be buying things from other countries. They should be buying stuff inside of Argentina. And they shouldn't... What Argentina is doing now is right to put tariffs because they're trying to build up their own industry. And that 
and that way they can have uh, a better, more functioning economy once they embrace the free market ideology yeah, that but, comes in later stages of but capitalism. They're, but they're getting their back broken because, first of all, they're in a huge debt. They're in a lot of debt. Like most of the global south, they're in debt to like American lenders, and they can't pay the debt off. So they're in def- like they are constantly going in and out of default um, for this debt, which like makes them I think makes their money value less, like have less value, and also their credit gets fucked up, so they can't like get as much money. And then on top of it, uh, they can't you know it's like you need to like buy raw material from the rest of the world, and if your money's like losing value, how do you? create an industry you're just you just get your back broken by like the global north which wants which doesn't want competition they they don't want they just want you to buy their stuff exactly well that sucks but things are happening so fun there yeah sounds like yeah so it all benefits me because things are so cheap for me I got this like really gourmet pizza and wine uh, with with a girl, and I paid for all of it, eleven dollars. Wow! 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 That's really crazy. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. If you went to like Mod Pizza or one of these pizza chains, you could get a little ten inch personal pie for like eleven ninety nine. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, word. All right. Well, th- so that's our our update on what's going on in the global south. Um, and now what's happening? We go to in the New global York. north. <laughs> we go to the global north. I got a text on Friday, um, from Sam, telling me that he was going to be leaving town and going to a place where he wouldn't have any cell phone service, and that if something went down, I needed to know where he was. And so I immediately did some research into where he was going to something called sustain release which now I see people tweeting about. I'd never heard of this before. And I was reading the website and it's a music festival that's all about, you know, just being in the land and listening to artists that you never heard of. I didn't recognize <laughs> any names on this list. Kid Cudi's not playing, like the Wu-Tang Clan's not doing a, you know, back together tour. It's a bunch of people you never heard of. And um, it made me wonder, I was like, this is what Sam's gonna do this weekend? So this is something that I had to assume then is Gabby's idea. And so I was curious, like when Gabby's like, hey, Sam, do you want to go to the Sustain Release Music Festival? What do you think? Are you like, oh, this is awesome. Um, you know, the truth was <clears throat> she mentioned it once before early on in dating. And I thought, okay, this is a myth for me. You know, I'm <laughs> in fact, great. This will be some time where <laughs> I get to be by myself. <laughs> and then I... What what clued me into it was that Matt was going to go, and he was like, "I'm going to this really exclusive, like invite only festival in September in upstate New York." Invite and I went, only. Oh, I think Gabby's going to that. Um, and Gabby originally was going to program the festival. What? Um, and I do I not like, see. I I have like. An unclear sense of Gabby's like level of influence and clout. She's very important. You're now telling me she was going to program the festival. She's going to help program. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. What the hell? And and that she had 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 extra tickets, so uh, I could have gone. Um, and she mentioned this the first time when this meant nothing to me. Um, and and so Matt was like, 
yeah, like I'm going and <clears throat> my friend Josh is performing and Lazar's going to be there, who's like a mutual acquaintance of ours. And yeah, I was well, like, going to be there. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe I should go to this. And so that's how it entered into my mind as a, as a thing to do. Um, Gabby's saying that she would produce, not program. So that means she wasn't going to call the DJs or choose the DJs. She was going to figure out where to get the amps and what the catering would be and stuff like that. Wow. That's a crazy job for something like that. That you say that you, you know, fire festival. It's not easy. You know, sometimes yeah. if you don't produce it, you know, something <laughs> terrible. Up, happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a really high stakes position. Um, and it ended up being like funny because I didn't really see Matt at all because it was really hard to find him because there's no phone. You don't have, you can't text anybody. Really? So you just kind of hope you're running into the people that you know there. Is that by design? Wow. <laughs> no, there is no service. I had light service sometimes, but there is no service on the camp. But and I do think that's that? a thing that they like about that. Mm. That site. You have to unplug I saw, listen to the music. I saw on the website that quiet time, it said, you know, you need to be quiet on the campgrounds when people are sleeping. But then it said that quiet time for sleeping was 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. Yeah. What the hell? Is I that know. right? That's what I it saw was? that too, and I was like, wow, okay, this is what I'm in for. But yeah, people are, <laughs> people are sleeping at all times of day. It, I've never quite had an experience where, like, you'd – you'd walk up to someone at like 1 p.m. and you'd be like, yo, hey, like, how's it going? And they're like, man, I've been up all night. Like, I'm just going to go down for a nap. And then <laughs> and then you'd see someone that like a different person at like 9.30 p.m. And you'd be like, hey, what's up? And they're like, I'm about to go to sleep. I'm going to wake up at uh, 12 and catch the like the performers from 12 to 5 a.m. And wow. you're just like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> such different schedules. Did, yeah. What did you do? Did you do that? Or did you go to sleep at 11 p.m., which is your usual sleep time, and wake up <laughs> <Yeah>. at 7? <laughs> Little Zs are coming out of my head. <laughs> you got a sleeping cap, and you're like, all right, Gabby, <laughs> I'm getting <I> slept- <laughs> I slept from... Uh, the first night I went to bed at like three and woke up at like 10. And then the second night I went to bed at like six in the morning and woke up at like, wow, uh, eight or nine. How many nights? Two nights. But there, wow. the festival wow, is so you're describing nights. this like, like, a like, a like a total blurring of the line between night and day, but it's just two days. Well, it's the festival's three days. We were just there for two still, days. I mean, but still, still you know yeah, I mean, it is still the 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 stuff happens from everything is programmed from basically one in the afternoon to six in the morning. So people are up at all times of day, and you're like, people are walking around, hanging out, on drugs, partying, like all the time, all all the time, um, and. I forgot the other thing I was going to say. Did um, anybody die? Well, no one died. Someone fell off the bridge. What? There's like, no, no. There's like a bridge. Into what? That, a bridge that goes from the grove, which is one like in the woods, a place in the woods where people would dance and there was a DJ set. And then there was a nut, the main stage, which was like in a big basketball gym. And between those two places was a bridge 
across a lake that was really rickety. And it was the only part of the festival where there was a line. You had to like wait in line for a long time to walk across this bridge because it was so rickety. Um, That's terrifying. And people would fall <laughs> in. And, oh, oh, and oh. You- it wasn't that the line was all standing on the on the bridge. It was like line before the bridge, line after the bridge, one person at a time. Yeah, it was actually like 10, 10 people at a time, but you couldn't you couldn't have people cross Each both other. people crossing back right. and forth different ways. So you, so people had to wait while one section crossed for two minutes and then you wait while the other section crossed for two minutes. Anyways. Um it it was what to say. It was kind of like being at Bard again. Wait, did you so see did, the person fall? No. No. You heard um, about it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I how heard did about they it. fall? Did Someone they fall was like one of the wooden planks or did they fall to the side? They, they tipped over the side and Gabby kept being like, we're not doing the bridge. We're going to walk around. We're going to walk around because you could walk around a longer way through the woods in a field to get to the other side. Uh. And Gabby really, really didn't like, but it was fun because the bridge was one of the few places in the, on the cramp campgrounds that was really well lit. And it, so it was, you could see what everyone was wearing at night. It was like a fashion runway thing. So you could just like stand by the bridge and watch as people like walked across it. And people were wearing like really insane stuff. Wow. And that's where you could find Matt. Did you ever see him? Yeah, I saw him a couple times. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't see him at all the first night. It wasn't until the second day during the pool party that I saw him. Um, wow. There was a pool party? There was a pool party, yeah. Oh, my God. And <laughs> this is what I understand. It's weird, though, because like, everyone's on like little missions all the time. Like You'll meet someone after not seeing them for like 24 hours and you'll be like, Hey, what's up? And they're like, yeah, I'm just going to like get a Xanax for something. I, I'll see you in a bit here in 30 minutes. They're like, I'm really tired. I'm, I'm going to go head down for a nap. And you're and so doing like side quests. Everyone's doing side quests. People are doing horny side quests where they're trying to find someone, a cutie patootie, you know, like everyone's on side quests. So it, it was hard, honestly, to like try and chill that much with people they're always like i'm gonna go to this set or i'm i'm doing this dj set which is cool because it creates excitement having two different places where you can see music but people are often like traveling between the two or getting food or things like that you know interesting yeah Um, that's interesting i feel like my fear it's funny that you said this about the, the bridge is the only place there was a line is that I went to Bonnaroo one time, and whenever, when I was there and when I read descriptions of other music festivals, it's just like, they have all this cool stuff and all these amenities and all these fun things to do, but there's just huge lines for everything, and like unbelievable wait times, and you're just like in the sun, waiting for 30 minutes to get into the silent dance party or whatever, and then you're in there for like 15 minutes, and you're like, okay, I'm kind of hungry now, actually, at this point, and then you gotta go wait like another half an hour in line to get a hot dog, Um, and it just doesn't feel... Like, there's all this ethos about it. it's, like, free and we're celebrating and we're having fun, but I just feel like I'm, like, a customer. Um, but it sounds like it wasn't like that. Like, when you're in the pool party, there's enough room for everybody in the pool? <laughs> there, There's more people than there is space in the pool, but not everyone wants to be in the pool. Right. So you can get in the pool whenever you want. It does feel more like being at summer camp with all the, like, hippest people in Brooklyn. <laughs> there's not wow. there's really not so many rules um you can kind of do what there you want like were there like security people or people who there were like sec- hey hey 
Stop. No, there are security people at the like front of the camp, like checking who was coming into the camp and out. But other than that, it was like really light security. Wow. You never felt like I was. You were like, oh, I'm being like watched or. What would you say was like the median age? Right. Well, that's the other thing. It was like I'd say the median like age was probably twenty. I mean. 29 or 30 or something yeah older so it's not it like old. it's not astral it's, world it's not teens like losing their mind right, right, right. on drugs <laughs> everyone's doing a lot of drugs and partying but they're it's much more like measured people are real really there for the music there's a lot of audio heads you know is that why they call um, it intelligent dance music there wasn't any of that there wasn't any idm no less of that <laughs> Um, I'm just thinking of Gabby because she likes that music a lot. There was some weird stuff, and then there was also like, there's this set that this this person played, Leon, who he did. Gabby was like, "This is like big room Miami club music," and it was like really fun, really popping off. Big room Miami club music. It was like she he'd mix like, um, uh, what's her name? What? Pitbull? There, Pitbull was in there. No. Like he put, they'd mix, like, it was like Miami club music mixed with, like, techno. So oh, cool. so he'd put, um, uh, what's the woman's name? Who does the biscotti? Fuck. Major Lazer. <laughs> Mia Jaleza. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like all, all your Dembo favorite and like house, says Dembo, Dembo songs. Oh, B- Biscochito. Biscochito, yeah. Um, what's, what, what's her name again? Uh, Rosalia. Biscotti. Like, <laughs> I like Biscotti, Biscotti though because it's like uh, Biscotti. It's the, like, Italian version, yeah. the European biscuit. It's yeah, Tarantella you play like Rosalia and stuff like that. Biscotti. Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then there's people who played like kind of weird, and then there's stuff that was like kind of trancey, and it was it was wild what people got really got into because there was like stuff that was like really generic trance music that I thought was like so boring, and then there, you'd see people who are like absolutely loving yeah. it. Um, yeah. And then there's then there's DJs who play like classic like pop hits, but to like you know techno or break beats underneath them and that was like also a genre people are like oh yeah like all the references yeah we love this pop song but like remixed um and yeah and then there's people like real like as matt calls them audiophiles like autistic guys who are like you know who you're they're playing like weird undanceable stuff um are there any guys putting their ears right up against the speaker going hmm (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a lot that's honestly what gabby was like she likes to get right up to the speaker wait sam did you wear yeah. earplugs yes i did that's good i did the whole time and and gabby didn't at one point and then we were in the Respect. tent later and she like i was talking to her and she couldn't hear me talking yeah. you gotta wear earplugs gabby that's okay look, it's that's just, okay gabby just, that's okay no 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 you that's a normal part of a wild young life in and 30 minutes kind of in 30 out. minutes you forget they're there they're you can hear all out. the frequencies just fine protect your ears it's that's right it. you got ears it'll that's it'll right. heal <laughs> did you bring a book sam i didn't bring a book because <clears throat> that would have been a good time 
Over here, you know how in New York, anytime we go out, it's all like, I don't know, what would you call the music? You know, people here haven't even heard of hyperpop. I say hyperpop, people are like never heard of that. Yo, I also just experienced that recently. Because we did a hyperpop show at Life World. We brought hyperpop to Brooklyn. No one had never heard of it here before. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did one. And someone DM'd me and was like, what even is hyperpop? And I was really? like, what do you mean, what is it? Like, you can kind of assume based on the two words. It's like <laughs> pop music, but it's like, ah! <laughs> you should, yeah, just look up a meme. Yeah, and just, crazy. just write meme into Instagram and it'll come up. Yeah. Over here, they, they, listen to, they listen to a lot of reggaeton. It's like all reggaeton. And if you, if in New York you wanted to go to reggaeton, you'd have to go to a, a special club. Well, not a special club, but, you know, a club where maybe, you know, a guy like me might look like out of place. But here, every club, reggaeton. Huh. Mm. <clears throat> well, that's cool. It's good that we're not just living under one globalized culture where... Everywhere you go, the youth are all, you know, in lockstep in the same shit. Yeah. You got to have a variety. Yeah. yeah That's where new music comes from. It's true. So. Yeah, you want, like, local specificity. <clears throat> I went to a place and they were playing Brazilian funk. A kind of music that I would love to listen to in New York. And I just don't know where I would go to listen to it. Yeah. yeah. You should ask Gabby. It's funny how stuff comes in waves. She was like, she was telling me, she's like, the Gabber wave is going to be over in New York City and they're going to start playing breakbeat again. Like gar- Gabber wave over? I haven't and- even caught the wave. That sucks. <laughs> I didn't even know about it. It's not over for me. It's just getting started. <clears throat> it's just started um, for Sarah. <laughs> yeah, just now. Now that I heard that word. I can't believe Club Cringe and Jake have been doing that Times Square uh, DJ installation all summer long. I think it just ended. Did you I, like, I've never fully understood. No, I should have gone because I was like, what do you mean that they're like playing music down there? Like, it's there's already so much shit going on. The idea that they would like set up a DJ booth and they would be like, they don't need another music. Thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, like what the hell? <laughs> already people down there are grinding their teeth from the anxiety. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Holding onto their little kids' hands so tight. So tight, yeah, just and they're just waiting to be pickpocketed or swindled yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go near that Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like du- like loud dubstep playing. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But it's nice. That was what Eric Adams did to honor what happened to Rash. So <laughs> it's true. You're right. Yeah. And it showed New York that. City that if you destroy where LGBT people get together to enjoy their music, then they're going to have to play it out in the Times Square where yeah. everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it, a funny thing about the going to sustain too was like, if, if for a moment we can pretend that there are only two genders, okay, um, that. it seemed to me like there was a lot more men there than women um because like this particular music scene brought together like a confluence of two different types of guys which is one which are like queer and gay guys who like um like that kind of music and like jeans and no shirt type of guys no it wasn't like circuit circuit gays not jeans and no shirt type of guys yeah but um then another was like really a 
like autistic audiophile type guys who like stay in their room and just listen to music all day. And it was funny to see, and then there's people who are both. And it was funny to see the, that confluence of those like two different types of guys together in the same space. Hmm. I can tell Sarah's getting uncomfortable with this conversation. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm no, really I'm comfortable yeah. with Sam. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm so comfortable right now. I'm com- you don't know what makes me comfortable. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I wish that I had this kind of the audiophiles relationship with sound. I was thinking about the idea of sitting in my room, listening to music all day, like new kinds of music and like discovering things instead of just listening to like an old Alex G album that I have been listening to for 10 years or something. I'm like, wow, they just love sounds. Just like different sounds coming in their ears and they're like blissed out, like couldn't be happier. That's cool. Yeah. Do you think at a certain point you lose something, right? Because like, it's like when you like one kind of music, you ride for that music. You know it so well. But when you're after like all sorts of sounds, you just lose the passion, you know, the identification. You don't have a team. You're just like, oh, I like sounds in general. I don't go hard for anything. You, you lose the, like, something about enjoying music. I don't know. I'm trying to be polite. I don't know. I'm sorry. I was thinking, I was forming another thought in my head, so I wasn't listening really sure, to what sure, you were saying. Sure. Or I guess what I was thinking is, <clears throat> this is something I was talking about with Matt last night, but <clears throat> it's interesting how nightlife scenes bring together people who are actually interested in a lot of different things because they're intersectional, but there's like, there's people who are actually really into music, but then there's people who are like into fashion or they're like fine artists there. Then there's people who are like really into like socializing. Uh, Then it also brings to people who brings in people who like are in other art forms, but nightlife is the excuse or the occasion for which they like hang out together. So music's sort mm. of like the excuse for the thing for some people. And then there's some people who are really like music heads. Mm. And I just, I think that's interesting. It's like, you don't really need to be into to music or it doesn't need to be the first thing you care about in order to get into that kind of scene. You can care about something else and then that brings you into like a nightlife music scene and then you and then maybe the music is something you adopt afterwards as an interest mm. um but yeah it's not really the same thing with comedy cuz like comedy does have like a social element built into it but it's harder to socialize when the actual comedy performance is happening cuz there's somebody talking yeah right, there's someone talking and and it's like I think what we do in the scene we're in is a little more intersectional because it's like there's people who like f- make the posters and there's like animation <laughs> and and stuff like that too. But like in in like nightlife, it's that times ten, you know, because it's like there's people who make the posters, but then there's also like what you wear is really important, and then there's like skateboarders and also video game cultures now intersected with nightlife and blah blah blah. Anyways. Yeah, I don't know if any of what you're saying is true, Sam. <laughs> I don't think no, it's intersectional at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. I always think about um, how when you're a kid, like, 
when kids play games where they're like pretending, you know, where like everything in the game is pretend, nothing is real, it's fully like in their imaginations. And like the game only works as long as everybody agrees that they're like invested in the imaginary world. And as soon as someone's like, I'm bored of this or I don't like this, it's like destroys the whole universe. And uh, it's like the same for adults in terms of you just have to like pick a thing. It's like as long as we invest ourselves in this music and be like, this music matters. We're really excited to see this music that suddenly like animates the whole coming together of all the people. Um, and you just have to like pick something and like hold on to it really tight so that totally, you know, uh, totally. Yeah. I actually had this really profound moment where I had lost Gabby and it was like five in the morning and I was like looking for her everywhere. And then I decided oh, to stand That's on top scary. of the hill and like wait Gabby, for her. Gabby, where were you? I was yeah, at the grove. I, I was in the middle of the wood. I would have been scared that she had fallen off the bridge. <laughs> Maybe she yeah. She, I know she would have run to the bridge. An alligator was coming for her. <laughs> yeah. Her little, like, Mason Margiela, like, like tabby shoes, like, sticking <laughs> up out of the water. <laughs> um, but I was, I was on top of the hill, like, watching the scene, and and I was, like, I had this moment. I was, like, on a little bit of drugs, and I was, like, Oh wow, the scene really is the only thing you have and can count on. And Simple Town should be doing live shows again. Oh my god! I had this I had this like profoundly sad thought. It was like sad and eye opening where I was like getting my laptop charger. I was like, this is it. Oh my god. He admitted it. He admitted it. He admitted it. He admitted it. It's like all the executives are gonna say no to you. All the like, oh my God, all the like the television it. and the chasing the money. That's all like bro, immaterial. What bro. you have at the end of the day is like oh the live stuff God. and the scene. Oh my god! Oh my god! This is like this is like waiting for your five-year-old to decide to eat the broccoli, and he just wants <laughs> to keep eating the sugar. And then eventually he goes, you know what? I feel better when I eat the broccoli. But now they're ten years old, and 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 they've their they teeth have growth have problems. They have growth yeah. problems because they waited so long to realize it. Oh my god! I can't. He admitted it. Oh my he god. It. I cannot yeah. believe this. Wow, wow. No, wow. I can and hold. And all it took was sustained release. I can hold both truths at the oh same time. God. But I I was really like, oh man, yeah, we should do live shows again. That's where it's at. Bro, I'm getting my ticket back now. I'm getting my <laughs> ticket back now. He admit it. He admit it. He admit it. Um, what do thank you think? You, Gabby. I, what do you think I was like, I'm gonna stay in in, Ar in Argentina? Because my whole friend group has decided we can just live online. My whole friend group has decided to make cartoons. <laughs> I'll live in Argentina. I'll live in Argentina. The, my dollar goes much further. Now you're telling me you want the scene? I'm going back. I'm taking my yeah, plane but, back. But Felipe, we're at we're at seven thousand five hundred likes on this on this new Simple Town video. Okay, it's so true. there there it is. The it's proof true. is in the pudding. It's true. No, the communities are equally important. It's equally important to connect online as it is in real life. Oh my Not, god. Neither is more or less important. I'm but vibrating. Now Sam knows that. I am vibrating. And here, Sarah, here's the thing. <laughs> imagine, imagine like a wooden stick standing up straight, about to tip, because the next question is Raisin Man Live Show? <laughs> oh. oh, he's oh almost my, there. Oh my god. <laughs> I cannot.
cannot believe it. I cannot believe That's it. That's funny. That's wow. funny. I cannot believe it. I'm yeah. really decompressing from that. I'm really decompressing. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's funny. Did you know I, that you were gonna say that? I, no, I didn't. But I was like, this is what I was just seeing all these people like in the woods, just vibing out to this music, and it is. It is kind of random. Like it could be music, but it could be something else. The cool part is that everyone's decided to just be together, and that this is like exciting. Um, and you're like, oh yeah, this is everything flows from this. Like what you need is the the actual scene, and the and the sort of. I, I can't believe it. I'm hearing my words coming out of Sam's mouth. I'm hearing my words coming out of Sam's people, mouth. <laughs> the belief. In, from multiple people that something exciting is happening somewhere to like then everything else flows from that the, the prodigal son comes back home I can't believe it <laughs> I, can't believe I come it. back in rags you know like sunburned and bloodied so and let I me go, say two take things me home, take me back father two things number one you admit that you have been on a campaign to make Simple Town not do live shows because you said Simple Town should do live shows what I thought we were doing once every two months, as Sam likes to say. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sam has been on a, on a secret campaign to make us not do live shows. Yeah. Do you admit this? I do. I said we, we got to put it on the back he burner. He admit it. He wanted to put it on the back burner. He admit it. Number he admit two. It. He admitted. Number two. Uh, what the fuck was I going to say? <clears throat> do you feel any kind of shame or regret over how you've been acting <laughs> for the last year? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Wow. You don't feel any shame. Okay. I think... Well, I think... And this we are the, different, Sam, because if I were in your place, I would commit seppuku right now. Shame. No, yeah. I think... <laughs> I think the, the strategy that we have been on, although it has, has drawbacks, it, it is already paying off, and it's going to also pay off dividends down the road. <sighs> wow. Okay. I sip, I, that's none of my business. I sip my tea. <laughs> you know what that yeah. That's Who's funny. That Sam, life's not just chat? about learning. Huh? Who's DJ Oily in the chat? DJ Oily, who are you? Colter's no. here. He says he's dropping by to say hi. But I, Sam, I, DJ I, I, Oily. I, do, I do have to give it to you. You know, it's like, it is, you know, learning is dialectical. We can't, there can't be simply yes. truth. It needs to be a process of yes. going through truth. But I do think that part of the learning process is feeling regret and shame for yes. no, I what mean, you that's used a big to problem. think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird that you jumped over that and you just started learning without that. But <laughs> yeah. No, I had the, yeah. I had the moment of sadness and regret while I was on top of the hill. Um, okay, cool. But that, okay. but, but it's past. But then you release. Now. Yeah. 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 Um, that is calling me. Um, well, I, hopefully it's not too late. You know, hopefully we're not too old to be cool. You know, we might be too old to be cool <laughs> Yeah. I think it's a funny thing about running life worlds, how I experience the kind of um, rise and fall in people's lives of them being like, I think I'm really interested in community right now. I want to put on an event that brings community together. And then like, you can tell people just kind of like pick it up and then they like discard it. They're like, oh, okay, I don't know. That wasn't quite what I wanted. And then they like move back on. Um, yeah, lifestyle ethical. It's true, but, but, but 
conversely, it's like if you if you're a person who makes stuff, like you need time where you're like not with people, where you're actually like making stuff and being in your head. Totally. And yeah, I think totally. I think my yeah. It's true. Look, we've it's true, and we have some good movies in the in the bank, and some vids that we made. It's all true. It's all good. yeah. And being like a socialite and like investing in the scene like takes time and work and it's important work, but it takes you away from yeah. making work. It's true. It's true. And you want and you want to mix, right? Because if you're out all the time but you don't have shit to back it up, it's like it's 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 smoke, right. smoke and mirrors. But exactly. if you're out, if you're like strategic and you make good stuff, then people kind of give a shit about what you do. You know, it's funny. Um, I agree. Like comedy is is not not so cool um in argentina like that does it doesn't even exist it doesn't even figure into the equation like that's not that's Improv. not a thing that anyone even understands here that comedy would be like cool at all i was talking with some cool kids and they were like yeah no one does comedy that's like not a thing that um i can't i can't get any traction here it doesn't like excite anyone when i tell them that i do comedy <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Uh, they don't have the proper esteem for what you do. It doesn't excite <laughs> people so much. Like, if you tell people on dating apps that you do comedy yeah, in the true. U.S., yeah. it's bad. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's true, too. For sure. It's funny, also. Maybe we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I got into scene of comedy because I really liked it when I was a kid because my dad was really into it. And I think if I hadn't had that early intervention of stand-up comedy into my life, if it was something I discovered as an adult, I would be like, wow, I have absolutely zero interest in this medium. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, when you have I'll the say, taste of an adult person. yeah. I'll say this, though. I am sad that now Sam is on this new tip because I was just coming to terms with the fact that I don't really want to do stand-up anymore and that I've stopped doing it effectively. Wow. Yeah. Well, it doesn't again, sound like but... Sam is suggesting that you do stand up. Yeah, I wasn't even talking about stand up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so don't... don't use this as an excuse to do it again. You quit. You're done. <laughs> don't take the lesson is not that you should do stand up. That's not what you should do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow. Gosh. Holy moly. Holy moly. Wow. There you go. Any any lessons from you, Sarah? Any no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm in a period of transition, so you know, yeah. we'll see. Do you want yeah. to talk about the transition? Uh, the transition. I rapped on Halloween, and um, now I'm in my period of transition. Leo moved away to England. Um, and now I got to figure out what I'm doing. I have a bunch of random producing projects through the rest of the year, but I don't know. I'm talking without really having a destination for this sentence, but I really haven't done anything for the last week. I've been chilling. I've been trying to get, um, I don't know if you ever do this. Like if you ever feel like sort of separated from yourself and like, you're like, what am I doing? What was my point again? What was the purpose of what I'm doing? I, whenever I feel that way, I always try to get like back in touch with my interests by like really indulging in like exactly the kind of shit that I like. So I've been watching a lot of documentaries um, and most of the ones I've watched have been bad, but I'm like sort of trying to recharge like what I even like about, you know, yeah. stuff, what I'm interested in to see what will come of that. I watched a really sad documentary yesterday about, um, do you know the movie Death in Venice? Do you know the book? 
by Thomas Mann. Yes, um, I've his famous yes. book. That rings a bell. Yeah, it's his famous philosophical book, and the plot is like this old man, he's wandering around having existential thoughts, and suddenly he sees the most beautiful boy in the world, and he just starts following this boy, and then he sees the boy like go out into the ocean, and he's sitting in a chair on the beach, like watching the boy, and then he just like dies. The boy um, or the man? Watching this boy. Yeah, the, the man dies, and the boy is like this beautiful, perfect boy, and he's like the angel of death. Um, so I don't know. It's it's a really strange book. I remember reading it in college and being like, I don't think I'm getting out of this. Whatever. <laughs> like the point of this is a really strange story. Um, yeah, but there's this like famous movie that gets made based on the book in like 1970 um, by this director Visconti, who I'd never heard of. But I really just picked this documentary randomly. It's like on Criterion on the homepage, and so I was like, what's that? And it's just a sad story about the the actor that played the little boy. And how the role like ruined his life. Why? And um, um, because he becomes like a sexual object to the world and kind of like a global icon. But he's, his parents are both dead, and he doesn't have anybody like guiding him. And it's just like an era in which like child actors were like completely exploited, with like no one protecting them or even really like, seeming to care about what happened to them. Um, and he's just trying to like monetize this like brief moment of popularity that's also tied to him. The documentary is called The Most Beautiful Boy in the World, and that's what he was billed as. So he's also like becoming an adult and losing like this one little thing that he had. Um, and he's just like very lonely. There's one fun moment in the documentary, and it's um, he's Swedish and he plays the character in Midsummer, the old man that jumps off the cliff that has to get hammered to death. Really? Um, so they jump to that like 50 years Whoa. later. And, him, yeah, and I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. But that's it. When yeah, everything start, else is just like when sad. When did you start filming sad. him? Did the director of the documentary go, I'm going to randomly start filming the boy from the movie? <laughs> I don't this know. This boy's probably going to have a fucked up life. <laughs> <laughs> I can't resign him now. Yeah. I really don't know why. It was made by Swedish people. So I think like in other cultures, like in Japan and in Sweden, he's like a bigger deal. Because I was like, mm. they kept like doing that thing. What do you call it? Like sort of a hagiography of like how this man is like an international icon. And I was like, I've never heard of this movie. I've never seen this man's face before. I've definitely never heard his name. Um, you know but anyway, him. I just want to talk about him. It's the <laughs> yeah. little boy. <laughs> it's Bjorn Anderson. Is that his name? <laughs> yes. It made me feel as if I was watching like uh, a movie out of like a parallel universe, you know, that like slipped into ours. Because <laughs> I was like this this guy is not all this. That's so funny. This, I love when um, documentaries take out on where they're like they set up the stakes and they feel so low to you because you don't know anything about what's any subject totally. matter or players in totally. the thing. Totally. <laughs> and they try so hard to convince you that this thing is important because that's like critical to the success of the film. Right. Um, yeah, I feel that way. If you ever watch a documentary that's about like a pro wrestler or something, and they have to establish like how this person changed the world of wrestling in 1990. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And okay. then it reminds you that yeah. it's like the world, is, the world is big enough that there can be like 5,000 people who would die for a guy you've never heard of. Yes. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, but I watched this documentary and it didn't make me feel in touch with myself. I was just like, oh, wow. Sometimes people just make a documentary about something really sad and there isn't even really any like big meaning in it. Like I didn't take away really anything from it besides just like, wow, life can be so cruel, um, for no reason. So have you, have you tried watching yep. Super Size Me? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I watched that in health class in like, uh, eighth grade. Disturbing disturbing stuff 
but I still eat at McDonald's. I stopped for a little bit after that, and then I kept eating it. I remember after that movie, the guy <clears throat> the guy does like a, a graph of everything that changed about him, and it has a little silhouette of him. Do you remember this? He's like, here's the things that I ch- that changed about me. My cholesterol went up this much, and there's like a little graph of him. And he goes, and I gained this much weight, and then it shows his belly, and it only grows like this much, like a little tiny huh. bit. And I was like, that's to me the most visible thing Disturbing. that you would think is like that's what McDonald's gonna do to you, but it didn't change his body that much. Mm. So I thought that's it disturbing. Be, it can't be that bad. Oh, I'm looking at pictures of young Bjorn, and he is a little cutie. Let me look. Anders, yeah, he's what is beautiful. It? Bjorn, Bjorn Anderson. Anderson. Let me look. Let me get the a most look beautiful at boy in the world. Anybody looks that up. He like they have the actual casting video. The guy who was directing it did like an international um, casting call and traveled around Europe. And like they have video of the kid like walking into the room and the director being like, "Oh my god, that's him." But he looks fucked up now. Yeah, he looks old as shit. I think yeah. he looks like he's a, a, a cool handsome way. old guy too. Yeah, he's got a cool old guy look. Yeah. Damn. You, I mean, you're also, like, not fully explaining what this movie is like, because I'm literally just imagining a man following a boy from, like, from, like, 50 feet away for the whole movie. They have all this archival footage of him, like, in Japan doing commercials and, like, being in Paris. Oh. I have interviews with his family about, did I cut out, about why his family, why his life is so sad. Yeah, I don't know. It was really strange. I didn't really get... I thought it was going to somehow connect to, like, the plot of this book, Death in Venice, um, but it didn't, which is also cool. So, you know, that would be a little heavy-handed. I, mean, I watched The it, Empty Man last isn't night. Isn't it that implied? Was, isn't uh, the connection implied? I guess the connection's implied. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> right? It's my job as the viewer to, to um, unearth it. <laughs> you yeah. can't, and I wanted to spell that for that, me. You can't say, no. It's not. <laughs> He's pretty obvious. Oh yeah, well it was implied. Yeah, I mean obviously it was implied. But but it wasn't explicit. <laughs> um yeah. Man. Man. Well, I hope I hope watching sad documentaries can get your mojo back, Sarah. Yeah. You know, I watched another sad one recently. I'll be faster about this one. It's three hours long. It's called All About My Sisters. And it's about this family in China where um, the family, it, they're, they're following this family at the height of the one child policy. And the family gets rid of like one of their daughters uh, when she's born. And then like she rejoins their family later and they have other kids. Um, and it's another sad documentary. Mm. But it was really, really long. And it's funny to me that when I watch a documentary that's like three hours long, I am always like, that's okay that you made it three hours long because that's what you had to do. And even if it's boring and it drags at certain parts, that's just part of it as an art object. But if I'm watching like a narrative film and it's three hours long, it just like pisses me off. I'm like, cut, cut this, cut this, cut this. Really? Yeah. You don't ever I don't think know cut this from a documentary? No, I'm like, they did this, they did, they made this choice. And it was important to them to do this long, boring scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's essential. Documentary wouldn't exist without it. Yeah. But this movie, it, it tried me a little bit. I had I watched it like four different parts because um, it was very long. Anyway. Yeah. So I'll let you know if I kind of garner anything from this experience. 
yeah. of trying to search through my interests. When I was a kid, this happened to me when I was like 14. I felt really like disconnected from myself. And I started re-watching cartoons that I was into when I was younger than that. Which ones like. did you watch? Ed, Ed, and Eddie encouraged Cowardly Dog. That's funny that that's where you were. But you yeah. didn't want to make cartoons. No. <laughs> I just remember really liking those cartoons. And I was like, maybe if I watch those, that'll remind me. Yeah, yeah, of what I like. Do you think that I, as we get it, older, we're just going to like get less and less pleasure out of the things that we love? Mm, I don't know. Well, it's interesting. I was thinking about... I was hanging out with Graham Mason the other day. And we were talking about... Um, what's his name? Nick Drisano, the yeah, cartoonist. Yeah, Gernazzo. And um, I guess he has a newish book out book. called like, Peter, the Audition. Actors. It's called Actors? Actoring. Acting. I think it's... It, acting or something like actors or the yeah it's something about theater and um graham was like yeah i really enjoyed it and he was like it's maybe five times a year that i engage with the piece of art that i'm like wow this is really my shit um and i was like oh that's a probably about right honestly five times a year is i would say is a pretty high number is a lot yeah for for like engaging with things that you really fuck with yeah totally that seems like an optimistic number for me Wow, and and you're engaging with a lot of stuff, so <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. less than you would think. Like I think about Will, who watches like three movies a week, and I watch maybe like yeah. one every two weeks. So I I engage yeah. with stuff. Well, it's it's a it's a true that I think you your interests change as you get older, and but you kind of need to have a career, and so it's funny to be like. Oh, well, I chose I wanted to be like a person who worked in the arts or whatever when I was like 19 or 20, when that stuff like was really impactful and really mattered to me. And I think you can be like 45 and be like, well, like movies don't move me in the same way or like or they move me much less than they did when I was like 19. But I still make them and they're still like the work, the the waters I ply. Um but it's different now. I would, if I were now choosing a career, it would be something else. And I think that's like a true, a truth about life. If you were um, now choosing a career, Sam, what would it be? Would you be a DJ? <laughs> I'd be a guy who, who a broker who goes to the airport and gets people's <laughs> hard drives. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I remember like, we were watching Lord of the Rings last year, Felipe, and, it, and I was watching and I, think, I was thinking like, oh, you know, Lord of the Rings was like a movie that I watched when I was a child. And it really was like, this is movie magic. This, I could make something like this and it would be, my life would be happy if you I wanted, spent it. But you want it to be Gandalf. <laughs> right? No. I, I wanted, talked about that. <laughs> I wanted to... You wanted to be Gandalf, Sarah? I've talked about how watching Lord of the Rings recently, I felt this real jealousy as a producer who's like exhausted of producing that like all that producer work goes into it and like somebody else gets to be Gandalf, gets to put the robe on and the big beard and then gets yeah. to be Gandalf for the whole world and everyone loves him. But he yeah. didn't have to worry about the snacks, the generator, <laughs> getting he's gas like, for he's the like, generator. He's like, where am I going to get the beard? And there was someone else who was like, don't worry about it. I have it. Yeah. Exactly. Easy. Nothing. And then he's Gandalf, the iconic wizard. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, wait. 
Who did you want to be in Lord of the Rings, Sam? What role did you see yourself occupying? Peter Jackson's? It, it didn't even... It, it was more abstract than that. Like, I was like, I would want to make this in some way. Like... It was halfway yeah. between probably being like, I literally want to be in the in world, this world. Of, in yeah. the world of Lord of the Rings, like not an actor, but like actually yeah. in it. And like, oh, if I devoted my life to making this kind of movie magic, it would be so cool and filled with happiness and filled with like interest. Um, yes. And I look at those movies now and I can remember how I felt about them. But I like, it's not the same thing to look at them now and be like, wow, I really want to make Lord of the Rings. Um, now you're like, that, of, wait, that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of all the problems with it or how it's kind of actually kind of the ways in which it's deficient or things like that. It's but, actually better to just watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which you could always have done, which you yeah. were doing as a kid. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. But all all to say that, like, you know, the the thing that it is a weird thing about life is like you you end up following the dreams you dreamt when you were like at a stage when you were like first trying to decide what to do with your career, and you can either stay on that path or eventually decide to do something else. But it is, I think, you do need to often like remind yourself you're like well why did i want to be like a comedian or like make movies or something like that and kind of re-fall in love with the thing you like doing because it's it's hard to sustain over like an entire human life and you get distracted and you get interested in other things and yeah totally yeah i had this thought yesterday i was texting with rory fotenhauer who is um made this docuseries that i really love um which is called what's Rory's thing called? Foreign, I suddenly foreign, can't remember that's correspondent. foreign correspondent. Yeah. Um and we were texting about job stuff and he was talking about how he was visiting a friend in the hospital recently and he was like, Oh, I should have become a doctor, but I wasn't mature enough to realize that when I was a kid. And I thought that was funny. And um, I was thinking about how, like, just the pull of media is too strong. Media is too powerful for children. And all <laughs> that's why I, and I have this, anxi- <laughs> this anxiety. Like, what kid would, seeing movies, want to do anything else? They're so exciting. They're everything. Totally. Um, and you get to watch them all the time, and it's so fun. Um, and the, I have this ongoing anxiety that all the people that I know who I think are smart and kind and thoughtful um, none of them are in are politicians or involved in the government or like you know maybe a couple, but most people I know just want to be in the media, and I'm like fuck, like. But that's shit, just because that's the too people much. you know. There's that's whole people worlds I know. of people. There's whole that's worlds of people who would never, who think it's like freaky deaky, that you are. Like yeah. Who just like well, how come? Well, here's the thing. What? How come those people aren't doing a better job with our healthcare system and our government? They're doing a bad job. So well, doctors that makes can't me think, change how healthcare works number one yeah but they're not doing a good job with the patient care either they're not listening people aren't feeling heard uh well there's a there's the yeah the mortality rates for pregnant women having children are you know more black women die than white women there's all these problems oh yeah that doctors aren't yeah so i, I got a problem I, with them I and i don't like going to the doctor i yeah 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 so the best minds of our generation are not doctors no, I know that racism is systemic, so it's more complicated, but... 
I was going to approach it from a different perspective, which was to describe that when I was like 15, I like, uh, I uh, was like really obsessive. Like I had this like eating disorder, so I wasn't eating at all and I was working out all the time and I looked at painting all the time. I was obsessed with like academic painting. And I remember that the feeling I got from looking at the painting was like dizzying. Like I would be online looking at academic paintings. Like I remember this one painting by this painter, American painter named Thomas Eakins um, of a bunch of like uh, steel workers and looking at it and being like, like having like religious feeling or being like, this is incredible. Like I can't. And I remember thinking, mm. don't lose this feeling about this particular thing. And I would like, go to bed and be like, just keep thinking about it because it's so powerful and it's driving you so much to want to like create something like this that you can't wake up one day and forget about what this feels like, like how much you love this. And I would just look at like figure paintings done in academic, like in French academies and in, in, the, in the schools that prepared painters to French academies. And I would just be like, I can't believe it. no one's ever shown me this before. Like I would look at it all the time. It was like, like a drug. And I only mentioned the, the eating disorder thing is cause I'm like, I think I was in this like altered state of mind where everything was like really like intense. And like, maybe I was like hungry and like tired, but just like looking at painting and painting all the time. Um, wow. And and I would just have these like really insane experiences with artworks where I would like become really like, um, what do you call it? What's that word for uh, not effusive, but like, uh, it's like you're so happy. Euphoric. Ecstatic. Euphoric um, experiences with looking at things. And ecstatic works too, though. Sarah. I think euphoric Thanks. is better than ecstatic. Ecstatic is like, woohoo. Um, but anyways, I don't think that I can ever feel anything like that again. I think I feel excited about artwork sometimes, but I'm like, could I ever feel that way again? And is that good or bad? I don't know. You should try not eating again. Yeah, maybe that's the move. That way. Hmm. I'm looking at his paintings that's right now. Thomas. Yeah. Eaton's. Yeah. And I'm feeling, wow. I'm not feeling ecstatic, but I am hungry because I haven't eaten breakfast. <laughs> I'm really hungry. I haven't had breakfast yeah. either. We could I think we're, we're almost at, at the end. Half. Well, I, I just want to say my first thought of like, I'm really trying to sit and remember, like I'm remembering this one class in high school that I hated being in Miss Taylor's media class in 10th grade and um, thinking about being a stand-up comedian and how much I wanted to do it. Um, and I'm just remembering like this like desire I had to like express my thoughts and feelings and ideas in a way that was funny that I felt like was already like inside of me that I was like, and I just want to put it into this form that like people in the world can understand um, how I see things. And now I'm like that desperation. I'm like, Oh, I have all these friends. And like, as an adult, I find like that I don't feel so teenager, like misunderstood. Like I need people to hear this. I need to tell people this. Maybe that'll feeling will come back to me in another phase of my life or something that I don't know. Just my initial reaction to thinking about what's changed, but you can just I'm also me, hearing in the chat that what Mercury's in retrograde and that that's what's going on. Hmm. We've kind of neglected the chat, at least I have throughout this, so I'm yeah, sorry. For, yeah, but I agree with what Millie said here that politicians don't have enough friends and they just want power. That's right. Yeah, uh, that is so true. And, and Annabelle said Gandalf the Gay. You know, so that's the kind of stuff we're missing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mercury's in Gatorade. And, 
And then we're seeing there's a saying, Millie says, there's a saying that if you're worried that you will stop caring about it, it just means that you actually really do care about it. So if that's the saying, we'll it's not a very that. catchy saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, All right. I love you guys. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for taking a break from your vacation, Felipe, to do this. It really means a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's nice. It's nice to see you guys. Good to see you too. Good to see you. All right, guys, both of you, send me what you've recorded instantly. Uh oh. After you press, you after can't you hang me. up, you send me the recording me. instantly. No. Do not I'm wait. So send me I'm the recording. So Do not make yourself food. You I'm send so me the recording. Export it out. Send it to me now, and I get put out the podcast. You can't make me. You send it to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye guys. Bye.